Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. I want to read these lyrics to you because I know you know this song. Um, If you're a country music fan, uh, how many of you like country music, by the way? Yeah? Okay, good. Any of you at the concert last night? Anybody want to admit you were at the concert last night? That's why we got empty seats today. Okay, got it. I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper. And I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness I've been denying. And he said, someday, I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. You can hear it, can't you? I'm not going to sing it. I'd have to lose 150 pounds, wear a cowboy hat and skinny jeans to do it. It ain't going to happen. Do you realize they don't make skinny jeans for this body? Could we all say amen? But we do all have a legacy, don't we? And you know what I found? You can't live somebody else's legacy. You've got to live your own. Like, I can't live my dad's legacy. I get a little margin from it, but I can't live it. I mean, you know, many of you who have been around this church a long time knew my dad, and, and you know, you, you love my dad, so I get, I get a little margin from it, I get a little bump from it. Well, Chuck can't quite be that bad. His, his dad was great, you know, so I get a little bump from it. But, but i gotta live my own, I got to live my own legacy, and so do you. And by the way, we live a legacy every stinking day, and, and we decide what it's going to be every stinking day. We, we choose, are we going to live like we were dying? I, I feel sometimes like I've spent a career doing funerals. I mean, I, I'm... I, I, I do funerals all the time. I mean, it would blow your mind how many funerals I do of people who aren't members of this church. I mean, just, I, I'm the funeral guy. Now, I've done funerals for young people. I've done funerals for old people. I've, I've done funerals for good people, and I've done funerals where families just said he was just a bad guy. I did a funeral one time where the family sat down and said, you know, Mama, she just wasn't a very nice person. Well, what would you like me to say about Mama? Well, don't say that. <laughs> I mean, have you ever been to a funeral where the pastor stood up and he said, let me tell you about so-and-so. They were really an awful human. You don't hear that, do you? I mean, you just we all live a legacy of some sort. So in that spirit, as we finish this journey of mile markers this week, I want to invite our pallbearers to bring our dearly deceased out and would you stand in honor of this family with me? Come on out, fellas. You, know, you got to stand. Have y'all never been to a funeral? Stand. Yeah. Here we go. Kenny's a professional, by the way. Thank you, gentlemen. It's at this moment while Mark's playing, the funeral director walks out to the middle aisle, looks out at a crowd of people like you, and he gives the nod. You ready? It looks just like this. That means sit. But you gotta do it funeral director style. You gotta kinda hunch your shoulders over a little bit, cock your head, sour face. That's the official funeral nod, by the way. I have mastered it. I know the official nod. But in every funeral I do, I'll stand behind a casket like this, and and I'll convey to a family, this box 
is not your loved one. This box isn't where your loved one resides. As a matter of fact, I'll typically go on to say, you know what, this, this box, that's what it is. It's a box. As a matter of fact, if, if I do a funeral for your family and we go over to this graveside or somewhere else around here, one of the things I'll say to you is this. You can come here and you can remember, but whatever you do, don't come here to meet this person. Because you see, it's a box. I buried a spouse, a mom, a dad, and a couple hundred other folks. And you know what I've discovered? When that box is closed, they ain't coming back up. Now, I was a little scared at 9.30 that Kenny was going to play a trick on me and he actually had somebody in here. <laughs> I took a peek because I'm telling you, had somebody done that, I would have died right here. Bobby would have had to finish today. The guy, Tim McGraw, who wrote that song, Live Like You Were Dying, his daddy was a famous pitcher with the Mets and the Phillies. Tug McGraw, but they, they didn't know they were together because, you see, Tug had a family, but Tim had a mama that wasn't a part of that family. And they didn't become close until the year Tug died at 59 years of age. And the year after that, in 2004, Tim released that song, Live Like You Were Dying. So I want to ask you to do something for me. This is an interactive sermon today. W would you take out your, your pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara? There's, chair, there's, there's pens in the back of the seat back. Uh, you can steal them if you want to. And um, then grab your bulletin or whatever you got to write on. And I want you to write down three things. You ready? Okay. It's very interactive. If you don't do this, you're just chicken. All right, so three things. If you could be remembered for anything, what would be the three things you'd want people to say about you at your funeral? You've only got 20 seconds. Go. Done. Pens down. All right? Second job. You ready? I want you to write down what are three things you want to accomplish before you die. Three things you want to accomplish before you die. Ready? 20 seconds. Go. Done. Pens down. I suppose I asked that question for a couple of reasons. One is, I'm trying to figure out how many of us think about living like we knew we were going to die. Because let's face it, you're going to. I mean, it's coming, right? And I don't think there's a single person here that says, I'll tell you what, not me, Chuck. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that's going to be the exception. Okay, let me help you with that. No, you're not. You're going to die. It's coming for some of us sooner than others. I read or heard this week that the average lifespan of a female in America now is 81 years of age. The average lifespan for a male in America now is 76 years of age. Both men and women are saying, yes. 
Somewhere in that, what are we going to do to make sure that we live like we were dying? Jesus answers the question. Over in the Gospel of Mark, find Mark chapter 12. And in Mark chapter 12, Jesus answers the question of what our legacy can and should be. Now, to, to paint the picture, Jesus is in a discussion with, with a group of very religious and important people. And in this discussion, he's, he's talking about the law, uh, how the fulfillment of the Jewish law would take place, and how this would happen, and how you would have to live to fulfill the law, and all the rules that you would have to follow to fulfill the law. And he's having this discussion, and this scribe, who is described as a scribe, he, in verse 28 in chapter 12 in the Gospel of Mark, says, then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning, speaking of Jesus talking with them, perceiving that he had answered them well, in other words, what he heard Jesus saying rang a bell, asked them, well, which is the first commandment of all? In other words, he says, what's, what's the biggest deal in life? What matters most? What's, what's the most important thing? How do I keep the main thing the main thing? And Jesus says in verse 29, the first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, and then he makes a statement, the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. Now, Jesus is saying to him, if you want to leave a legacy of something extraordinary, if you want to make a difference, you want to leave a legacy that matters, if, if when that box becomes an issue in your life, what will people have said about you? I, 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 I'm always blown away at what, how people react at funerals, because you never know. I mean, I've seen some interesting things happen. I've, 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 seen, some, I've, actually, I've seen some funny things happen. I've seen some, some, some awful, tragic things happen. But at the end of the day, what Jesus says is this. Here's two things that your legacy ought to involve if you're going to have left a real significant difference in this world. Loving God completely and sacrificial, sacrificially loving others. Loving God completely, though, sounds easier than what it is. I mean, loving God completely with all of my, with all, all, all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, that just, that just doesn't sound very easy to me. And, and yet, he says, there is absolutely, positively, no other way around it. This is what you are called to do. Now, here, there's a little something interesting about this text. If you were a young Jewish kid, you learned this, a thing called the Shema. And you learned the Shema, and you would, you would scribe this verse about loving God and loving others. It's the greatest commandment. You would, you would inscribe it on a little piece of leather or, or, or on, on a paper or something, and you'd roll it up, and then you would place it in, in, into a little folder, and you'd put it on the doorpost of your home. And every little Jewish kid learned this. It was the very first thing they learned. Like, you know, if you go to school here in America, you, you learn your ABCs. When you went to school as a young Hebrew boy or girl, the first thing you learned was love God and love other people. So the problem, you see, isn't that we know the truth. The problem is that pulling it off becomes the difficult part. See, I think what happens in our church and in other churches is we know we're supposed to love God completely. We just don't know how to do it. We're looking for an instruction manual. I mean, knowing it is the easy part. Knowing the truth was easy. Pulling it off 
is difficult, but not for Jesus. He loved God completely. He wasn't interested in power or wealth or popularity, but he was passionate about God. He depended on God. He depended through prayer, knowing the scriptures, by submitting to God's will, even when it cost him his life. But now what's involved in loving God completely? The better question might be, what is not involved? Because when you get to that box, there's something that is fully and totally involved. I mean, completely. Because the stories that will be told about you will be involved completely. And, and Jesus says, this is a big deal. If you flip back a couple of chapters in Mark, to Mark chapter 10, uh, beginning of verse 17, another guy approaches Jesus. And he desperately wants to please God. He runs to Jesus, falls on his knees, and he says, teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your mother and father. And the man fell on his knees and insists that he's kept all the rules. Now he's got this outward righteousness. You don't understand, I'm a good guy. I've gone to Sunday school every year for 42 years. I gave every week. I opened the doors of the church. I shook everybody's hands every time they had an evening event. I was there. I was Mr. Church Guy. I've, I've done the rules, Jesus. But he's still on his knees because something is missing. Something's out of kilter. Something's not right. Obviously, something is still awry. And Jesus looked at him, and here's what he says. One thing you lack. He says, one thing you lack. He said, go sell everything Go sell everything you have. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And the Bible says the man's countenance fell, and he walked away discouraged, and we never hear about him again. Now, right then, some of you checked out on me. And you said, see, I knew it was about money. I knew that box was a trick. I knew it was about money. What he wants is he wants to fill that coffin with money. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Well, actually, it probably is a bad idea, but I want, I want you to know that Jesus, when he's talking to this guy, isn't talking about money. What he's saying to this man is anything that stands between you and being in a right relationship with God, get rid of that. Like for some of you, being the queen of Facebook, maybe you need to get rid of that. For, for, for some of you, being, being, being the, most, the most successful CEO, maybe you need to get rid of that. For some of you wanting that house in that neighborhood that your friend lives in, maybe it's getting rid of that. For, for some of you, maybe it's hours at the gym because now this has become what, what I worship rather than him. You need to get rid of that. Maybe in some of your lives, it's relationships that drag you down and keep you from, from being all God wants. Maybe it's that. I don't know what it is. But Jesus simply knew this guy. We knew him as a rich young ruler. What we knew is this, Jesus wasn't saying it was about your money, it was about, our, it was about your heart. You know what he's saying? If you're going to leave a legacy that matters, the first thing you've got to do is love God completely. And you cannot love God completely until you get rid of what is between you and all of your heart loving God. And you see, you know what I've discovered? Where we spend our money and where we spend our time is what we love most. I have people say to me all the time, well, I'll tell you, Chuck, I appreciate those ladies going down there and working with those teen moms. I appreciate folks who go and work at, at Sycamore. I appreciate the folks who come pack backpacks. I appreciate those folks that go work at North Gwinnett Co-op. I appreciate all those folks who, who go to Haiti or go to the Eleuthera or go to Cuba or go to Kenya. I, I appreciate all that. But Chuck, I just don't have time. Can I be, be careful when you throw that out there. 
You've got the same number of seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, and years that Billy Graham had, Mother Teresa had, or for that matter, Diane Moffey has. You say, well, Chuck, you don't know my calendar. You're right. But it is a reflection of your heart. Well, Chuck, you don't know my checkbook. You're right. But it is a reflection of your heart. Well, you don't know my friendships. You're right. But they are a reflection of your heart. What Jesus was saying to this guy is, it's not about your money. It's a reflection of your heart. For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Jesus is saying, you want to, you want to leave a legacy? You want, to, you want somebody to say something well about you? Jenny and I have six girls. I, I make, you know, as we talk about them all the time. You're probably ad nauseum sick of hearing me talk about my family. You know what? I, I love all those girls. I mean, I love them. I love them with all my heart. I want everything they can have, I want them to have. But you know, seeing the end from the beginning, you know what I really want? I want someday when they show up at a memorial service for me, I, I don't want them to say, golly, I, I wish he would have spent more, more time at the office. I wish he would have spent more time with me. I wish, I, I wish he hadn't done everything at church. I wish he'd spend time with us. I, I, wish, I, I, I want him to be able to talk about he was there for me. He loved me. He gave his life away. I want him to say my, he was a friend of God. He believed this book. He, he, he loved God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, with all his strength. Because when, when I'm in that box and you're at that memorial service, you know what? Nobody's going to give a hoot about how big this church grew, how many sermons I preached. Nobody's going to give a hoot about that. The question will be, am I a friend of God? Did I love God completely? Did I get rid of whatever stood between me and loving him? I don't know what that is for you. Let's go back to your list that you made. Does that reflect that you love God completely? Do the three things that you said you wanted to accomplish in your life, do they have anything to do with giving yourself away or is it something that you just wanted? If you want to see a reflection of your heart, look at what your three things were and ask yourself, where's my heart? You say, Chuck, that is cold. Yeah, it is, isn't it? So is death. So is a coffin. It's cold. It's a harsh reality. But now Jesus goes on and says, you know, it's, it's, it's knowing the truth, but it's putting it into, pra into practice. It's, it's a whole nother deal. This guy claimed to know the law from his youth, but he, he just couldn't make it happen. By the way, historians record that there were in the Roman Empire two great plagues. And, and the great plagues happened where there were about, about a million people living in, in this area, and 5,000 people a day were dying in the Roman Empire in these two plagues, about 5,000 people a day. Literally, they were stacking bodies up, and the stench of death was in the streets. And as history records that, that people were leaving family members to die while they were trying to escape and save their own life. And the only group of people who came into those towns were people who claimed to be followers of Jesus who gave their life to ministering care to those people, many of them losing their own lives, but many of them saving other people's lives. And history records that the Roman Empire changed in the time frame of the recovery of those great plagues, predominantly because the presence of people who called themselves followers of Christ acted like it. 
You see, in America today, we can't fix America's problems by watching Fox News. But you can fix the problem by going out there and acting like Jesus. That's how we love him completely. But he goes on and says, you got to love others too. You know what I've discovered? Those folks in those plagues in the middle of devastating despair, overwhelming darkness, they had a difference that love made. It was light that came in to darkness. Loving God causes a light to shine from you. Loving, loving God with all of your, your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, forces you to the second thing that now becomes natural in your DNA. It becomes transformational. Why do, why do people go to those schools? Why, I mean, why, why did Kim Entrican go down to a high school this week to take pictures for a senior girl whose family couldn't afford senior pictures and give her time to do that? Why did she do that? You know why? Because the love of God in her was working so strongly that it overflowed to the degree that now she was wanting to serve others. Jesus said, love God, and when you do, watch what happens. You'll serve others too. And you'll serve them well. As a matter of fact, you'll serve them with sacrifice. A legacy of loving God completely, a legacy that lasts, is a legacy of loving others. I mean, Jesus added the command to love others as yourself without being asked to add any commands that belonged in the same category as the Shema. There, there was a raging debate in those days between two points of view on keeping the commandments. I mean, this is a really cool thing about the New Testament. It's a great thing about Jesus, especially for us. One group argued that to properly love God, you had to keep all of his commandments, even if those commands kept you, kept you from helping a person need. In other words, the rule was more important than the person. Like, like the, a rule of the day would be if someone was hurting on the side of the road and it was the Sabbath day, you couldn't stop and help the person because that was considered work. So if you did, you were now breaking God's commandment. Are you with me? And this was the debate. On the other side was a group that said, no, love trumps the law. And so if, if, you're, if you're walking down the road and you see a person in need on the side of the road and it's Sabbath day, even though it's a Sabbath day, and maybe even more so since it's the Sabbath day, you stop and you help that person. And so you've got this debate going on, and Jesus then has a lawyer who steps up and, and he says, hey, I don't get it. What's the deal? Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And he was identifying this more moderate group of these two groups. And Jesus went either, even further in this strikingly similar story. And over in Luke chapter 10, he, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy says, well, who's my neighbor? I mean, help me get a little more specific. Well, who's my neighbor? Well, Jesus tells the story of the good Good Samaritan, making the most of the group cringe the thought of crossing not only racial lines, but being part of a good neighbor on the Sabbath. You get break the rules to let love trump everything. And people are just totally freaked out about it. They're like, you can't do that. That's the rule. And Jesus says, no, there's only two rules. The two rules that matter is love God and love other people. That trumps everything else. Whatever all your other rules are, do that. So you say, what's part of loving God and loving others? Are you ready? This is hardcore, right? Don't miss this. Loving God and loving others means I set aside my personal orthodoxies and preferences to ensure that I'm not a roadblock to keep people from coming to Christ. Okay, let me say it again. Loving God and loving others involves setting aside my personal orthodoxies and my personal preferences 
especially if they keep people from coming to Christ, if they create a roadblock. You say, well, Chuck, you don't understand. I like it my way. Me too. I, I, I love it when people agree with me because let's face it, I, there's no possible way I could be wrong, is there? I mean, aren't most of us dying from terminal certainty somewhere? I mean, we're right. But what if, what if loving God and loving others were to say, wait a minute, the, the two things that matter is loving God and loving other people. Loving God. You know, you know what I've realized? Loving your neighbor completely is similar to loving God completely. Neither one can be done without Christ. Neither one can be, can be done without Jesus. They both, they both require all of my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. Jesus loved his neighbor perfectly. He's, cons he's consistently criticized for befriending sinners. I mean, he hung out with tax collectors. He, 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 hung, out, he hung out with, with, with people that were, that, that were just blatant sinners, like us. And, and said, hey, in your, in your sin, I'll, I'll take you. You don't even have to clean up before you just come on to me. By the way, he loves you the same way. When he looked up the tree at Zacchaeus, who everybody hated as a thief and a cheat and a liar, he said, come on, let's go to your house. We're going to have a party there. By the way, it's the same Jesus who walked along and looked up in the tree at you and said, hey, come on. I'm going to take you in all your sin and let's go. You can love your neighbor in his strength. So when I, when I think about getting to this box, I think to myself, the legacy we leave comes down to this. Now, if you don't write anything else down, write this down. You ready? It comes down to this. Whose you are, who, who, whose are you? Are, do you belong in Christ? See, God said, I want to be in right relationship with you so you can love me completely. If you love me completely, you'll love others. You'll love, you'll love them selflessly. You'll love them sacrificially. But you've got to love me first. And the way we love God first is we put Jesus in our life. It sounds like this. Jesus, forgive me. Come live in my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I accept you're dying for me and raising the dead as payment for my sin. I want to make a U-turn of my life. I want to live for you. It's kind of drawing a line saying, you know what? Whatever my legacy has been to date, I'm changing it. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. And so you look at that and you say, wait a minute. I, that's how I begin loving God, whose we are. Because when you determine whose you are, then you determine what you are. Are you a lover of God or lover of others? Or are you just a lover of self? Ouch. I got to tell you, way too often, you know what my choices are? Me, mine, my way. And all the while, what he says is you can't love God completely unless it's his way. You can't love God completely until you love others. You say, but Chuck, you don't understand. I, I just don't like that guy. I just don't, Jesus, he didn't put any tags on it. He didn't say, by the way, you serve all them if they use the money the way you want them to. Hey, you, 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 you serve them if they'll buy the kind of food you want them to. You serve them if they promise not to do this or not to do that. And all the while, Jesus said, no, you don't do that. Whose you are determines what you are, and what you are determines what you do. Whose you are determines what you are, and what you are determines what you do. And so if you settle whose you are, you can determine what you are. And what you are will determine what you do. And you know what is interesting about that? When I belong to Christ and I eliminate everything that stands between me and loving God completely, I know whose I am. 
When I choose to love God completely, I know what I am. I am a child of God. I am a born-again child of God, paid for, bought with his shed blood and his life that he rose from the dead to give me life in abundance today and eternally forever. I know whose I am. I know what I am. And because of that, now I know what I should do. And you, what will my legacy be? My prayer for you and for me would be that we were a people who loved others sacrificially and we made a difference on this planet in the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord. Today, draw a line in the sand and make a legacy. Build a legacy, loving God completely and serving others sacrificially.